Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, my very good friend, Will, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Will, how are you? I'm liking the new intro. Yeah. I, you know, I just wanted to spice it up a little bit for, you know, having you on, back, around. We haven't talked person. Well, I mean, we have never talked in person, but uh, we haven't been on a on a Zoom or a Skype call or a FaceTime call in a while. So it's good to see your face. Yeah, it's been a while. I think uh, the last couple of things I did was with Everett. We did some audio reviews, which are spectacular. By the way, I've really enjoyed them. What you can do with uh with light and a camera is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I watched the the SkyQuest uh, video review. I was like, God, I fucking suck. I, just because you can't do that. I could never do that. Yeah. You could give me all the same stuff that you have, right? You could just put me in your basement, and I would... I, I'd just take dick pics, probably. I, I don't mean to be argumentative, but he was talking about the audio reviews, but I agree with your assessment on the video reviews 100%. Well, I didn't want... I wanted to take you out of the credit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that, Andrew. I appreciate that. The video reviews have been challenging because i've never done video before i started doing those which i don't i don't even remember what the first one i did was a couple months ago well i think the nice thing about the video reviews is it's not really uh it's not really video right it's it's macro photography over a prolonged period of time uh yeah pretty much which introduces some dynamics right uh you've got to be thinking about visualizing motion and the second hand and i think we had like a two-day text message uh palooza about what rotating what lazy susan to buy and <laughs> oh yeah and you want to know the funny thing about that i bought that motorized one so i could do the you know the little spinny thing and i end up not actually using the motor i just spin it on my own because it's got a little bit of tension to it so it's actually easier to spin <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, at least you have the motor. I mean, we talked about like some complicated step down system, right? Which, yeah, because it spins too fast for what I want it to do. I need it to be, I think, actually just one RPM, and it goes two. Sure. So just I have to slow it down on my own. And if you and if you reduce the speed by half, then the second hand looks more. What is that thing? Three beats mm-hmm. per second. <laughs> Everybody think I'm shooting slow mo video. Right. Right, you could do that too. Yeah, you could do that. Get it going. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that do that, and it it looks cool. But it's it's as soon as you look at the second hand, how slow it's going, it looks really weird. You can't unsee it. Yeah, it makes it look like a you know quartz ticking, but you know it's not. Right. Uh, so are you are you drinking? Are you drinking alcohol, Will? I'm not tonight. No, drink drinking some water tonight unfortunately hydrating school nights and stuff yep hydrating well we're we're yep. drinking booze so we'll have i'll have an extra one for you look at you you're a friend perfect mm-hmm. i'm a good friend yeah how, andrew, andrew how are you well i haven't asked how you are that's no, because you don't fucking care nope uh, i'm good i'm good uh it's been an insane week at work uh like insane Tuesday. two weeks at work oh. uh i don't think i breathed today until like 3 30 wow yeah, I you almost could take, died. You could take David Blaine on a run for his money then. <laughs> uh, and I have some, like, I have a, a sunburn complication on my leg. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a sunburn. A sunburn's bad. This is a sunburn complication, which... Uh, it could be, like, it needs medical intervention. It's pretty gnarly looking. So I did consult with a doctor. Sun poisoning? It is it is probably sun poisoning, yes. It's, like, an acute contact dermatitis that has got the potential to turn into cellulitis, which... Sounds terrible and and turns out to be as terrible as it sounds. Actually, terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I've got a cankle. I've got one. Uh, my right ankle is a has turned into a cankle. Yeah, it's gnarly. It's weird. Turn, rotate a little bit. I'll look at it some more in better light. Yeah, it's it's worse on the on the inside. Oh, golly! Yeah. I got a cankle. Is that from floating the river? Uh, it is from floating the river. That's right. That'll happen. Yeah. But then you had a Sunny's burger and all was cured. Not I, well, not cured, but you felt better. That's what I'm talking about. I had four Sunny's so burgers. So we, I don't know if you've heard us talk about these Sunny's burgers. They call them the Stumpy Burger. And they could be the only burger on the planet, and I'd be cool with it. They could be the only one. They are like just tiny, tiny little buns. 
that they toast nicely. They butter and toast them. Smash patties, two slices of cheese, chopped onions. That is all. And the cook, the cook is like that classic heavy bearded guy who doesn't want you to fucking talk to him. He's the he's the cook. He, I would I assume he's got some sort of chef status, right? But it's his kitchen. And one time he came out and he delivered, and I was like, "Man, these are so good. How do you do this?" And he's like, "Well, I get beef at Winco and buns at Winco, and then I cook them on my flat top." And I was like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's nothing special nah, he's, about it. He's, he's putting something in them. <laughs> spit, probably. <laughs> Gotta be. Yeah. It's probably magic spit, because they are so good. Sunny loogies. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any greater travesty in life than when someone tells you about a food that is available regionally, and you cannot get without actually going there. Oh, yeah. And you guys live literally across the country from me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You, you can't have those. I mean, you could just come visit. We've got a spare bedroom. We're recording in it right now. Anytime. You don't have Whataburger up there either, Perfect. do you? No. No. Okay. Uh, I think the only thing that we have that is like a rarity burger, I don't even know what the hell you'd call it, is Shake Shack. Uh, but, I've never had it. I mean, they're really good, but I think they're kind of spotted all over the country. I've never had it. I've never had it. I've seen it. I've never had Whataburger. I've never had Steak Shack. I've never had Smash Burger. Uh, the amount of good burgers that I've never had is is growing, I feel like. The amount of good chain burgers uh, is increasing, and it's making me... I have a little anxiety about we should, it. We should go on a on like a burger tour of America. Burger tour of America. Yeah. 40 and 20 version. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think, that, uh, you think that guy last week that called you a bunch of cuckolds is getting really pissed off right now? You know, I think he might be. I kind of hope he is. I... I, I was listening to the episode in my car, and when you said that, I almost crashed. Was it you who wrote it? Is it, is it we, did we call you out? <laughs> These fucking cuckolds. <laughs> Talk about watching. No, but you were right. It, it, it's such a rare insult that it's hilarious. Yeah, right. He didn't call us cucks. He called us cuckolds. I've never been called that before. You Talk about watches, you cuckolds. Yeah, I've never been called it. So, well, what about it? Why don't we talk about watches then? Okay, cuckold. I suppose we should. Let's let's uh, you dirty cucks. Let's hop right into it. So this week we're bringing the whole fam together. Let's do. We're we're gonna do a a, a watch clicker potpourri, as it were. We're gonna hit on some of the watches that we've had in over the last couple of weeks. I believe uh, I believe it's pronounced potpourri. I think it's called. I don't know. I I've, I'm going with potpourri. <laughs> you. You yes. have never listened to the show, <laughs> apparently, sir. Uh, I couldn't even come up with a witty insult. That was just a good one. Like, God damn it. Uh, it was the editor-in-chief in the house. Like, All right, well, whatever. So we're going to... That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk some of the watches Wait, that we all have our hands in. Can, 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 we, can we pick a fight? Pick a bone to pick? Can we bone to pick with our editor-in-chief here? I think we must. Yeah, so uh, uh, $501, that was a negotiated title. And it didn't make the. I wasn't part of the negotiations. <laughs> I guess that's There's, all we're gonna. Well, do. you cite, That means you sided with Everett then. So I, I mean, it does kind of mean yeah, that. That's exactly what it was because you heard. I mean, you listened to the episode. You we had the argument when the record button was live. We couldn't call it under five hundred bucks because one of them was not under five hundred money. We did get a lot of comments about that controversy. People thought that it was. Uh... Uh, a, a comment-worthy controversy, more, more in DM than on comments, but people liked it. They liked that conversation. It was a real controversy. I but mean, the, that watch had to be in there. The title of the podcast literally got overrode by our editor, yeah. so that's a con- real controversy. Yeah, it's yeah, exciting. I have to keep up the Google results. Got to make sure we're ranking. <laughs> that's that's fair. Getting that SEO. That's fair. You're smarter than we are. Yeah. Well, yep. at least me. If you guys can show me the analytics for the person that searches for five hundred and one dollars, I'll change. It's it. a guy who has five hundred dollars exactly, <laughs> and it and it must be an Amazon purchase because he can't pay for shipping. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whatever. So what's first up? What's first up? So let's let's talk Laurier week. Laurier week. L- Laurier. 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 I'm sorry. No, you're y'all. you're right though. You're right. It looks like Laurier. It is. It's how it's spelled. If, you, if you're totally uncultured, I'm American. <laughs> so let's talk our Laurier. They are, they are regretting giving us those watches to review now. <laughs> Certainly, but that's the last Laurier we got. I, I think their conversation with us probably drew them to that conclusion. Never mind, like what we've had to say since. Can you imagine Lorna Lorenzo after like what a bunch of fucking cuckolds? Yeah, yeah. that's who posted it. 
golly, we should have known. So good, good thing we got basically their whole catalog. <laughs> so let's let's dive into the Laurier week. We have three reviews up on the website. User. The whole family. And Will, you did the Neptune. The Neptune. And yes, I want to hear from you because I, I read the review, obviously, but I want I want to hear a little bit more your change of heart from the Neptune original to the current iteration. Because you owned a Neptune previously, yeah? Yeah, the Series okay. 2. And it just, there was something missing. And I think it was because it was such a, a hyped watch. You know, there's watches that are, you know, everybody's like, oh man, you know, you got to get this and shows up on the used market, it disappears right away. And that was one of those watches. And when I put it on, I just didn't see the appeal. I don't know. It was just kind of a little bit too bulky and didn't didn't work for me. So I I flipped it pretty quick. And I talked about it briefly in the, the review and the video review where it, it's like they read my mind as to what I didn't like about the Series 2. And the Series 3 felt like a completely different watch. They should just call it something different because it was such a change of heart for me and how I felt about that watch that I wanted to buy it by the time I was done with the review. Yeah, you know, we had one, it was one of the two watches that we had in for review. And I, every time I put it on, I was just like, dang, yeah, this thing. I was most excited about the Falcon coming because I've, I've, I've come, I don't know, five times to like hovering my, I've come five times. (laughs) Also, (laughs) I have had my finger over the purchase trigger for the Falcon at least six times. And, I was really excited to get my hands on that watch. And then I got my, got a hold of the Neptune. I was like, ooh, ooh, this is it. This is killer. I loved it. I absolutely loved that watch. I you mean, know, I love the Falcon too, but... You, you know, I think what occurred to me as I was preparing my review of the Falcon was that <clears throat> when Laurier came out, they came out with essentially the Neptune. Their Gen 1, Series 1 Neptune... And then after that, they came out with a bunch of watches, right? So they had the the Hydra and they had the Falcon, and and it really felt like the Hydra and the Falcon were spinoffs. They were just spinoffs. They had essentially the same mid case, the same dimensions, the same. You, you know, they had different details, but they were very much spinoffs of the Neptune. Mm-hmm. And I'm so impressed with the way they have uh, massaged the various models. You know, that Falcon, you can tell it's a Laurier, mm-hmm. and you could tell that its its soul still lives in the Neptune, but it's totally distinct. And, and reading through Mike's Gemini review, Gemini review. Yeah, they like Gemini, which is they, interesting. They like Laurier and Gemini. You know, people people totally <laughs> protested our use of Gemini. That's, that's not a word. Well, it's, Ask Neil Armstrong. <laughs> You're right. It's not a word. Yeah. I have to argue with NASA on yeah. that one. <laughs> Nonetheless. Uh, but I think, you know, and, and then seeing sort of the early images of their Hydra that they're that they're teasing, um, I, I got to just really hats off to them for their ability to take one watch, spin that one watch into three or four different brands, you know, or sort of categories, and then refine each of those refine each of those models to the point where they're actually standalone models Mm -hmm. mike's review of the gemini well his review was really uh well done but how that watch came to be in his possession it is a wonderful story and i know he kind of touched on it in the review but i'll go through it real quick so the, the worn and wound version of that watch came out, uh, you know, what was it, a month or two ago? That it, It's like that light blue mm-hmm. with the the one sub-dial that's white, and then the other one blends in with the dial. Right. And he really wanted it, and, you know, of course he couldn't get it because it sold out, and I think they said like 10 seconds, you know, impossible to get unless you were a robot, apparently. So he was keeping an eye out on the used market for one, and so was I. And uh, he found one, and what we thought was that one and he's like i got it i got it he got all excited and then um he didn't look at the listing uh you know (laughs) closely enough and didn't even realize it until the watch came and he opened it and he he texted me and said will i need to call you and i I was like oh no like what's going on (laughs) this is bad um 
And uh, he's like, I got the Gemini. It's not the worn and wound edition. But he he ended up really liking it. And um, I think he's going to keep it. Yeah, that's that's what he that's how he made it sound to me, too. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of worked out, but I, I told him, I was like, you pretty much have to because it's got such a weird story to it now that it's kind of sentimental. Were, were the photos in the listing of the Worn and Round edition? Yes. Okay. The, no, no, no. There was no question that it was the version that he got. Oh. It was just one of those things where like you just saw the listing, contacted the buyer, and didn't even you know sight on scene, I'll take the How watch much? kind of thing. Take my money. Yep. Well, you know, I think that they're very they're similar watches too, right? So it'd be easy enough to sort of plow plow through it if you're excited. Uh, you, you know, I think it's interesting that you know the Gemini uses that Siegel movement, and it seems to me like even two or three years ago that Siegel movement was sort of, I don't know, frowned upon. Oh, right? people turn their nose right up at it, and and, and more and more it seems like. Brands are are willing to take the risk that QC risk, and are using that movement. And I wonder if there's a, a supply chain thing, or if there's some additional level of certainty in using that movement that's developed. Uh, it'd be interesting to ask someone because you're seeing it pop up in cool, great watches. Well, it's funny that you say that because I literally just got done right before this. Uh, recording my voiceover for the um, Gekota W02 review, sure. which has that same movement. And and, and it's uh, it's one of those movements that, yeah, you didn't see it too often outside of that actual seagull that had it, um, but now it's popping up all over the place. You, you know, and I wonder if, if the deal is the demand for micro chronographs has just exceeded... Uh, has gotten to a, a high enough level that brands are able to justify the QC risk. If, if demand has reached some sort of uh, fulcrum um, and and that risk is now acceptable, I, I don't know what the answer is. Brands also see yeah. that people are buying it anyway. Their, I think their fear of the movement mm-hmm. was really the limiter, but the market has said, no, we're cool with this. And they're not, they're not as scared of it before. Rather than like... It's a it's a movement that every watch brand can afford. You're not going to get these micros coming in and saying, "Well, do we really want to risk our first watch into the marketplace having this movement?" Yeah. And I think people are cool with that movement, so people can take the risk on on them having even five percent quality control errors because that's an easy swap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder too if some of their QC issues have you know, just gotten better. And maybe that's why you're also seeing it pop up a little more often. Um, but, but it's also, you know, like we said, it's the affordability standpoint that Laurier is, uh, $500, I think. And the Gekota that I reviewed is three, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it's like $330. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, for a, a mechanical chronograph, that's a price you really can't beat. And like you said, there's a lot of demand for micro-brand chronographs, and they need to stay in somewhat of an affordable space. So what's your alternative? Right. I, I'm not... Are you... Have you come to any determinations whether that Kokoda case is a repurposed Siegel case? Is that a catalog case? It seems like it is. Um, I couldn't find... You know, I I haven't ever held the, the Siegel version um, of that case to say it's 100% or... Uh, you know, the same, but uh, just based off the dimensions and kind of how it looks, it seems like it is. So, you know, you're you're getting basically a different dial configuration. Sure. Which is, I, I mean, that's the same thing HK Ed has done. And mm-hmm. uh, I think mm-hmm. EMG has done that to a certain extent, too. So, yeah, with their DL63 and yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a good case. It's a great case. It's enjoyable, wearable. Lugs are a little long, uh, but it's a uh, 47 lug to lug so you know it's for the the case diameter you know it's a little bit long but it wears well and the nice thing about that Gekota is the uh dial configurations that they have in terms of you know colorways and all that stuff i think they have six or seven different options to choose from there's not just the uh vintage one that i had for review there's you know one that's more of a modern racing style and you know a bunch of other stuff so really kind of hitting all the bases with it. I like the picture you sent of it. Yeah. 
I was only a little bit intrigued, and you started sending some pictures, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm I'm not very intrigued." Right. It's a good looking watch, and, and it is. It, it's a good looking watch, and I think when I say the lugs are a little long, I don't mean necessarily in proportion to the case. I mean the 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 connection to the strap is is a touch mm-hmm. long, so you get some strap gap. Yeah. Ha- yeah. Hashtag strap strap gap. Yeah. We are all about the strap gap and thick watches around here. <laughs> thick boy. Yeah. <laughs> Mind the gap. Speaking of thick boys, we got some we got some watches in for review. Oh yeah. Uh, just this week, actually, we got three. Today, huh? Oh no, you've been wearing them. I was out of town for a couple of days. So everything we, just seems like today. We got two watches. Michael Happy. Hooking we've, it up. We've been talking to Michael Happy for for the better part of a year and a half. Uh, and he's such a pleasant, wonderful guy, but he's extremely busy. And so we've just, coordination has always been uh, difficult. But Michael Happy from Gavok sent us two watches. He sent us a Avidiver, uh, a PVD black Avidiver, uh, which is sort of blacked out. It's got some orange accents. And he sent us a Squadron yeah. chronograph. So these are... Um, Big watches, you know. I think for us and our tastes, these both tend a little big. Certainly, certainly the Avidiver does. Um, Even the Squadron does. But these are very purpose-built tool watches. Sure. And I, and for that, I can't, I cannot complain about the size on them at all. And and I've I've never held one of those. The, I, I have no idea what they they look like in the per, in person. Well, I guess we'll just have to take some pictures. Yeah, right. we'll hold holding we'll hold them up, up for and the shake camera. them. Yeah, can you? See? <laughs> because of the the way you guys are lit right now, it just looks like you're waving around a watch with no. We're dial. like totally silhouetted. <laughs> I'll turn. Uh, I'll, I'll move the light real quick. Yeah, we'll no, keep, I we'll think we're fine. So, uh, I, we got another watch too, which uh, is it's a brand that I'm sort of unfamiliar with, but we got a watch from uh, Le Sablier. I guess is probably how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, I believe so. But they probably would like it said Le Sablier. Le Sablier. Oh, yeah, I bet yeah. you're right. So we've got this new, we've got this Le Sablier in. I mean, it just, and I, I, I actually, now that I'm saying that, I'm feeling like it's borderline offensive. I know we, we really play the mispronunciations, but um, I think that this watch is something I'd never heard of, and so I had really no clue what to expect. We literally opened it. Right before we started recording, or or a little bit before that, so it'll it, it's, it's it's missing. Oh, it's on your nope. It's a big watch, and oh, it it's it's dynamic. It's different than anything else I've ever worn. So I'm gonna have to take some minute, uh, take a minute or, or two to get comfortable with it and um, have some thoughts about it. It's different. I opened it up and I felt like surprised, like oh oh yeah. Uh, we we'd seen the pictures of it. But seeing seeing the pictures of it don't do it the justice you expect. This is a super creative design, and I like it. It's thick. It's super different. It's thick. I've I've never seen anything like it anywhere in the industry. I dig that originality. I'm interested to check that one out when you guys are done with it, because I know that it'll be making its way to me when you're done. Yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, I've only ever seen pictures of it. It's another one I haven't handled before. It, and it, you know, it. The first thing I noticed, it comes with three strap options. It comes with a leather strap. It comes with a like a white silicone, and it comes with a pretty nice looking bracelet. Um, it's got s- hooded lugs, so. Uh, I think in terms of straps, bracelets, you could do dang near anything you wanted with it. And they're all quick release. And everything's quick release. The the details on this thing have been thought out really well. Uh, I don't even the bracelet is a bracelet yeah. quick release. Yeah, it, the bracelet's quick release. Oh dang, that's nice. It's quick release. It's got flat, you know, flat end links, um, but they're attached, and it's quick release. And you know, my only concern with quick release spring bars is uh that metal's gonna fatigue eventually especially if you're on and off and off and off uh so i'd be concerned about replacement parts replacement spring bars there i'd be really concerned about replacement watch right yeah yeah i guess you could argue that could happen to regular spring bars though if you're changing them out a lot sure but regular spring bars break you just grab that 
Amazon, that nine ninety nine Amazon box that you bought mm-hmm. two years ago, and grab a couple of new ones. Or basically, in, that is yeah, true. Any of the strap tools come with what seems to be like a gallon of spring bars. Yeah, that's right. My my sixteen millimeter uh, spring bar tray is over over full. I have to. I've just been throwing away the sixteen millimeter spring bars because every time I get a strap tool or something, it feels like it comes with. Two, one uses just, a 16 just millimeter spring bar. One 20 millimeter spring bar and 16 right. 16 millimeter spring bars. <laughs> like we don't have any use for these. We're just gonna give them away. I I, I must be ordering the wrong things because I have a shortage of spring bars. I I just ordered uh, more uh, 20 millimeter, two millimeter thick spring bars from uh, Ute Watches, which is formerly Toxic Nados. And he uses I, the I, he uses the Seiko thickness, right? That's the two millimeters. The no, the Seiko ones are even thicker. They're two point five or something like that. They're even bigger. Um, two millimeters is what you find in. I think that's what Rolex uses. I think that's their thickness. Uh-huh. Um, but I have a couple uh, like integrated rubber straps that need a two millimeter spring bar, so they don't. You don't get that little gap between the rubber and the case. Sure. So I, I ordered a couple extra. But, yeah, I, I have a shortage of spring bars. I end up always ordering stuff. Right. <laughs> I break a lot of spring bars. Me too, man. I break a ton of them. And if I don't break them, I bend them in half. Like, they come very close to breaking. It's because you're super strong. Uh, no, I think it's just because I get super impatient. Like, if I, don't, if I don't perfectly get that spring bar compressed the first time, I, I effectively come at it with a hammer. <laughs> I, just, I, I generally shoot them across the room and never find them again. Yeah. Well, that's gone until someone steps on it. Yeah. My five-year-old finds them. Hey, what's this? <laughs> Good find. <laughs> How did you get a spring bar lodged in your eye? Uh, you know, that's the <laughs> risk you run. Uh, well, speaking of Rolex, uh, what, what do you got? What, what What's new in your stable there, uh, Mr. Will? It's not a Rolex. <laughs> but it is. it is in the family. The Tudor Black Bay 58 Blue. You went and did it? Mm-hmm. You went and did it. How's it doing? It's, uh, I got to say, it's one of the best watches I've ever held. Even as a trade from the Pelagos, right? That's what you traded for it? Or, I mean, effectively? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yep, yeah, one, one in, one out. And, and do you feel like... Uh... Do you feel like the BB fifty eight does, or the the blue uh, Black Bay does everything you wanted it to do, and now it negates the need for a Pelagos? I think I'd still want the Pelagos. Yeah, the thing about the Pelagos, so it's it's such a good watch, and it's one of those watches that you could easily say, uh, yeah, that's my one watch. I'm I'm not gonna have anything else ever. You know, it's it's that good. The the bezel is amazing. The bracelet is amazing. It's titanium, so it's light, but it's still got some heft to it, that sort of thing. Um, but it's a big boy. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the the one with the in-house movement, which is what I had, I think was, it's like over 15 thick or just around 15, but it's it's slab-sided. Sure. You know, it just looks big. And I've always loved the, the 58, and I tried one on, a friend had one at Windup in October, that I tried on and that was the first time I tried one on and I was like if they make this in a non gilt version I'm going to get it because uh, gold's just not my thing um you know so I I just couldn't do that one but yeah as soon as the blue came out that was that was my jam I mean really as soon as the blue came out yeah yep. we yeah. we had just posted on Twitter or on Twitter Twitter do we tweet her at all no we don't yeah. <laughs> we had just po- posted on Instagram kind of not making fun, but sort of like taking a piss at the at the fact that the entire sort of watch fam <clears throat> was on their knees for two days after that thing was announced. Uh, and oh, I did too. I you know it was kind of funny, you know the the reaction to it, you know. And I think I I put in my Instagram story as Tudor came out with a blue watch. That is all something yeah. like that. <laughs> Well, and right, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of shocking to me, and not to say that uh, there's anything wrong with being excited. I think Tudor is one of those companies that what they're doing is 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 exciting, but it also felt a little like, all right, guys, you know, I I, I heard someone talking about it, and they said, 
the reason this is so exciting is because we thought we were sort of led to believe that nothing was going to be happening in 2020 in the watch world. Mm -hmm. And so for them to announce this at this time was really excited. And I feel like there's a problem with that statement, which is that there's so much happening in the watch world. There's a ton happening. It's not like everyone's just closing up shop and going to be on vacation for 2020. They're still doing R&D. They're still doing development. They're still designing watches. We're going to get some really cool releases this year. Well, and not only that, the only people that stopped are, you know, the the big boys, the the Swatch Group, the LVMHs, the Rolexes. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, everybody else, all the brands that um, are doing sort of big picture R&D and, and watch design uh, all of those brands are still making watches. I can't think of a single micro brand that said, we're not going to be releasing watches this year. You know, we have heard from a lot of micro brands and, and smaller companies that, gosh, production's delayed. Mm-hmm. But yet yep. they're still putting out information and they're still working on things and announcing things. So it felt a little like, if if this was the biggest thing that happened in watches this year, you're you're not really paying attention. That would be such a letdown, too. <laughs> that would be a letdown. A blue watch. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, right. Uh, just a blue watch. That's all you get. Uh, I, I'm touching on it, and I'm almost done with the review for this, but I, I touch on it a little bit that you need large brands like, you know, Rolex, Tudor, Omega, all those guys to release just different colorways. Otherwise, every watch that gets put out, is going to cost 20% more than the one that came before it because you you have new movements, you have new cases, you have all that stuff. It costs a lot of money to do all that, you know, regardless of how big you are. So changing a dial color and putting it in existing configuration is a relatively affordable way to release a new watch to the market. And in Tudor's case, I mean, everybody went nuts for it. Um, you know, and I, I think a lot of that was because... Um, People wanted a Tudor Submariner, which yeah. that's never going to happen. You know, Rolex is never going to be like, yeah, just go ahead and um, go ahead and release the Submariner and just ignore that we have one right. that everybody wants <laughs> and can't get a hold of. You know, it, it's just not going to happen. You know, the, the Tudor Submariner existed in a day that is not the market that we live in now. Right. Um, you know, but the the Tudor Submariners of, of old... Uh, you know, there was the there's blue and black, I think, were the two main colors. I don't know the reference numbers. That's not my thing. But that's as close as you're going to get. Well, and I think in some ways the Pelagos or Pelagos, however you want to say it, is is the Tudor Submariner, right? Is to the extent that Tudor's got a staple mm-hmm. watch, it's that it's that one. Yeah, the, the Pelagos was built to be what the Submariner was originally meant to be, which was a pure tool watch, not jewelry. You know, we were all, all wear watches of jewelry, but, you know, that watch was just over-engineered. Yeah. Yeah, very, it's got a helium res, uh, release valve, right? Yeah, on the uh, <clears throat> on the left side of the case, um, the Black Bay 58 does not, but it does share the same awesome bezel action, which is the best bezel in the business. Yeah. Better than oh, yeah. better than Mana. Yep. All right. I haven't I haven't turned a bezel that's better than what's on the 58 or the Pelagos. I, I like that. The, no no reservation at all. No. Spin it. Spin. <laughs> okay. I got it on. That's that's crispy. I I don't know that I'm getting the full experience. You're going to have to send it out here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so you said the, you said the, uh, at the twelve o'clock there is a I I couldn't quite make out is it a harder click is it a a deeper click what what is what are you finding that tactile feedback on to reset Yeah, so for those who don't know, there's I don't know what the right word for it is. I'll just call it a detent or something. That when you get the bezel back up to twelve o'clock when you're done spinning it around, there's a little tiny bit of extra tension that doesn't let you quite go to the 59 mark. So you can close your eyes, and I've done it, you can close your eyes and spin the bezel around, and as long as you're not, you know, cranking it as fast as you can, uh, you can close your eyes and reset the bezel without looking. That's fantastic. Because there's nothing worse than a bezel at 59, because you're like, man, fuck. 
It's just going to say fifty. Yeah, it's it's going to be, be a fifty nine for the rest of the day because yeah. I can't spend these next seven seconds, three seconds, resetting this bezel. Or until you're near Everett, who spins it like thirty four clicks, and I was like, ah, cool, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the story my, of my life. Yeah. My wife likes to play tricks on me, and every once in a while, she'll go into the watch box and spin every bezel just a different amount. Oh my god! See if I notice. And I, you notice. Yeah, you're like, your spider senses tingle from the next room. You're like. Something is awry. Something something feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I totally mess with her and don't I don't pretend that I notice any of it. Oh, I like that. That's that's usually my MO, my return to to reasonable pranks. Ignore them. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. problem is then that, you know, and that encourages hardcore pranks and <laughs> I can't get any reaction. Slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well what else what else do you got going on over there? Uh well, what do, what do you have uh, in queue? I know you've talked about the Kakoda. Yep, so I'm uh, wrapping that up. That's probably the day after this episode comes out. I'll have that up on the site. I'm trying to wrap that up this week. Uh, so the Black Bay 58 Blue will go up next week. I'm almost done with that one. And then I'm working on the Christopher World... Christopher World... Can't talk. Christopher Ward World Timer. The Christopher <laughs> it's World... That, uh, yeah. We're going to call that. It's the relatively well. new one that came out with uh it's got the, the you know the yellow accents. Um that's a just a killer watch. It, you know, I love that case that they use the light catcher case. It's just it's so good. It's super thin, wears really nice on the wrist. So I'm working on that and then I just got in uh the Oris Diver 65, Ooh. the 40 millimeter version with the uh uh numerals on it. And that is a bit of a that's a bit of a pie pan, right? Uh, so 40 millimeters is going to wear bigger in that with that big dial, right? Sort of. Um, because, the, yeah, the bezel's pretty thin on it, but I don't think it wears any bigger than it's 40 because the, the lugs aren't super long. It's got a thin case, and the bracelet is bonkers because it tapers from 20 to 14. Whoa. That is bonkers. Yeah, it's it's... I don't know that I've ever seen a six millimeter taper before, um, but the it's weird when you look at it because the clasp looks super thin, but it's it's really comfortable and it doesn't feel you know cheap or jangly or anything. Or just did a nice job with it. Does it does it look odd? I mean, is it visually because it's so much different than what we're used to? No, not really. Um, it steps down really quick, so you do notice the step in the um, in the links, but. I don't think it looks weird. Uh, if you didn't know that it was a 14, you might assume that it was 16. But you definitely notice that it's thinner if you're holding it up next to something that is, you know, 18 or 16. You'll notice the difference. All right. How's the length on the clasp? It's good. It's uh, it's pretty short. Um, I know you got your favorite watch, the Aquas. <laughs> the, uh, the clasp on that, it's about the same length, but, you know, of course, much thinner. Um, you know, so it's probably like two inches, maybe something like that. Uh, and I, I like that Oris uses just the, uh, double push button. doesn't have a flip lock. Yes. Uh, I'm a fan of just a double push button. I, I, they're just thinner and they, I think they look cooler. You know what I'd really like? I'd really like for a brand to, uh, do a milled friction clasp. So it, it could be it could be ceramic or whatever, uh, but a friction release clasp. You know, ha- have a have a, a maybe a ceramic ball and detent system or something that was going to be durable and not mm-hmm. stretchy. But just give me a, a a a nail nick and a friction release. I would I would love that. I don't know why. It's- I'd like I'd like that too. I I don't think you're ever going to see it though because I think people view those as cheap. I don't. I you know mm-hmm. I think it's fine. It has its uses, especially in a, you know, not a dive watch. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that don't feel that way, you know, unfortunately. I think the right company could get away with it, right? I, I think a company who was sort of singularly focused on quality and simplicity, you know, like Laurier, we've been talking about them for, I feel like, a month. Uh, I think a brand like Laurier could get away with it, right? But they were concerned about yeah. a friction bezel, though, because people's perception is that Th- those two technologies are cheap, but you know they they are they have successfully 
uh, taken those kind of risks, right? Their their devotion to acrylic crystals, and um, yep. I, I think that they're well placed. You know, no one's going to accuse them of cheaping out if they do it. And and I, and to be clear, I'm not arguing for a cheap clasp. I'm thinking, you know, perhaps stamped and machine something that feels sturdy and quality, um, but w- with a simple uh, less is more mechanism i know it wouldn't be I cheap think, but people people argue that those things are cheap sure it's like a friction bezel yeah it's not necessarily cheap but people will say oh it's cheap took a shortcut mm-hmm. i think laurier could get away with it too because of their <laughs> vintage vibes mm-hmm. you know friction class were more common you know decades ago than they are now stretchy bracelet also right <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need to do. Yeah. They need to do a twisto flex. Yeah. A machine. Yeah, can someone besides Spidel come out with one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a machined overbuilt twisto flex with like a, a a totally superfluous friction clasp. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy the shit out of that. I'd well, buy just that bracelet. Like bunches of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our our friend uh chilling with watches, Pete bought one of the bond clips yeah i saw uh recently he re- and he reviewed it on on youtube we talked after his review i think he had mentioned it, it was hard to get around his hand so you, you know they don't fully release they uh-huh. uh you, you have to sort of release the tension but it still holds on to itself and so it's your you have it has to be big enough to go over your hand and they've got a way to measure your hand that they list. So, you know, WM Brown project is selling these and they, they give you instructions for how to measure your hand, but those instructions are not clear, are not clear. And so just talking to them about it, um, I thought, you know, it's really hard to innovate in this area. We've got these bracelets that are historically significant and, and perhaps beloved, um, Forstner is one of those that makes these historically significant bracelets. And the innovation is doing something old, but there's flaws to, to old things oftentimes mm-hmm. um, that I think it makes sense for brands to sort of try to figure out what, what was cool about this. That's why you add a friction clasp. Sure. Well, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fits around your wrist. You seal it back up. You still got the stretch. There was something cool yeah. about this. Let's capture the soul of why it was cool, as opposed to just remaking this old thing because it's old. Well, I think a lot of, like you said, it's kind of hard to innovate with bracelets, and if you do, you run into people just not liking it. And I think that's what happened with the uh, Raven Solitude bracelet. Was that was you know kind of a, a new design, something a little bit different, um, and I know a lot of people weren't happy with that bracelet. Um, I had the the solitude in for review, and I I love the bracelet. On it. it was kind of like a modern jubilee because it, if you haven't held it, it's got that kind of you know that flex to it that a jubilee has, but it it's not as uh you know used car salesman in the nineties look to it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nothing against Jubilees. I I have them and I do love them. I, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of a Jubilee. Uh, I, I, so I I get it. But yeah, you're you're right. There's something uh, '90s about them, especially 90s. when you wear it three links too large. That's right, and it sort of like drapes up your forearm. Yeah, and then back down, and <laughs> it's like wearing a shake weight. Well, yeah, it's definitely that 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 '90s thing, and uh. It might have been you guys that were asking me why I or no, it was uh, it was Mike. He was asking me why I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of guilt, and I said it's because I grew up in New Jersey in the '90s. I don't like cold. Right. Tracks. <laughs> well, I think that's a good a, a good a good place for us to move on, unless you've got anything you wanted to add for the week, Andrew. No, I think we're all caught up on the potpourri of the watch clicker life. We did it. We did it. What about you? Uh well, before we we shift over anything anything you want to talk about add before we do? Um I think we touched on in the beginning but just the Monta Sky Quest review mm. is up and I had a lot of fun doing that review. That that watch is just so good. It's be- yeah, totally gorgeous watch and your and your photography on that was was you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, you hit you hit it right on the head. 
Yeah, and we we talked about it uh, offline a little bit about you know getting a little bit more lifestyle look with some of the videos for the video review, and I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more you know outside of just the straight up macro shots because I I think it like I think you said it Everett that it completes the the look a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think it, it's one of those things, right? It's like you figure out uh, you figure out how to take the pictures, and then you figure out how to make the pictures move, and then you figure out how to edit them together. And, and you know, it's like watercolors, right? Uh, you, you keep adding details and shading, and, and eventually it becomes really complete. You know, you look at – sometimes I'm amazed by these guys that are able to um, – shoot these just incredible videos and but and you you being no exception to that uh but it's like anything else right you sort of get your systems in place and then you tweak them and you massage them and you make them better and better and better uh yep and then eventually it's this really complete package um yeah it's fantastic that's all i've got to update on do you do you have anything else Everett? other things andrew oh, go okay I got a uh, a new kid related thing. It's called a um you got a kid related thing? Yeah. It's called a muzzle. Uh, <laughs> uh so we got uh we we went on a uh, not a camping trip. We went to a friend's cabin uh over the last weekend and we have an infant who's like in that he doesn't walk, he doesn't crawl. But we can't just leave him on the floor when there's a bunch of people wandering around. We didn't want to bring that enormous bouncing chair. Mm-hmm. He, he, he kind of likes the high chair, but then when he doesn't, he doesn't. But he loves his bouncer. So we wanted to get a chair that we could put him in that he'd also be stuck in because baby jail is important. So we got a pop-out kid's chair. Like, you know, your folding camp chairs, a little cup holder and everything. Mm-hmm. One of those, but for babies. It's by a company called Brand. Or, yeah, Brand Kid Co. K-I-D. That's not generic. C-O. And it's the P7004 GoPod in Midnight Black. And it is a kid's camp chair. It even comes with, like, a little floor mat beneath the kid. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's got it's got little uh, mesh hooks or a little like woven nylon hooks on the top of it so you can hook his toys and stuff to it so mm-hmm. he can't do the terrorist. I'm going to throw it off there for <laughs> it and make you go get it. It's got cup holders that you can put baby snacks and a, cu- and a drink in and it folds down just the same size as everyone else's camp chair so you can just throw it in the bed of the truck, throw it over your shoulder. It was terrific. Probably, and it's a $50 purchase that he'll be in until he's old enough to climb out of it. And then he'll be climbing back into it. And then just make more babies. Yeah. Yeah. No. But <laughs> we'll just give it to somebody who's done that. Uh, but it's perfect for indoors, outdoors, deck, sand, gravel, everywhere. We used it so many places. I absolutely love it. For those of you who are looking for a way to store your kid, take a look. When you're out and about. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be good for, I assume, for the park and, and everything. Everywhere. And yeah. under that uh, that not $40 canopy that I bought. Um <laughs> God, that was such. The big one's good. The hundred and forty dollars one is good. Easy setup. Only takes one person. Easy tear down. Yeah, forty dollars. The cheaper the canopy is, the more people you need to set it up. Yeah, you know though, the forty dollars one broke on first just attempt, like just in four places. I'm like, okay, well, going back to the Walmart. When I was in third grade, my dad had a pickup truck, and he bought a canopy for it. And I and I went to school and third grade. I don't know. I feel like that's too old to have done show and tell, but it was definitely third grade because I remember the teacher. Um, but it came to me and I said, "Yeah, this weekend was awesome. My dad got a canopy for his truck." Well, I didn't. It didn't really occur to me that a canopy was a weird word, but it's kind of a weird word if you say it slow and a bunch of times. Oh yeah. And the teacher, uh, her name was Aliki Anderson. She's Greek. She said, "Now all you need is a can of poop." Yep. And the class fell out. And I think probably my suspicion is that if you ran into her today and said, what was your greatest professional mistake? She would say that day that I said can of poop because it was like we were done. That's it. And it's, it's probably early in the day because you're doing show and tell. Yeah. Kids are toast for the rest of the day. Like, we were I'd send them home. Done. We were done. I, it was like one of the greatest moments of my elementary school uh, period was Miss Anderson saying, now you need a can of poop. Love it. Sounds like a dad joke. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a dad joke. Yeah. Yeah. W- Will, other things? What do you got? 
So uh, if anybody's listening to this back-to-back from the last full episode I was on, you're going to be able to tell that I've been watching a lot of HBO (laughs) based (laughs) off this one. (laughs) Uh, But so we talked about this. I've never watched The Wire. Golly, we did talk about that. Yeah. And I, I think it was just, you know, it was in that time where I either didn't have HBO or just that show did not interest me for whatever reason. But now I have HBO and I like watching things. So I started watching The Wire and I'm up to season three now, I think, after just two weeks of watching. It's so good. It, it's what, an, what an amazing show. It, it's maybe the greatest television show of all time. I mean, it's top three or four for me. I, I'm, I'll see that it's the most underrated. It's certainly the most underrated. It's, even though it's a highly rated show, I don't. Th- I think it's generally underappreciated, undervalued from from general viewers. I've watched it more times than any other show. That's not well. Sure. HBO doesn't even, you know, they they hype some of their old old shows like uh, you know Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is still on. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Sopranos, even you know that was on around the same time. You know, no, they don't do anything with The Wire. But I the feel like interesting thing about that show that uh, I I think. With other shows, there's always like that one episode in a season where you're like, man, that episode sucked. Why was it here? I haven't got that yet with The Wire. Every episode is relevant to the story and is better than the one that came before it. And it progresses the story. There's not, it doesn't stagnate ever. Uh, oh, right. It's so good. The characters are so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, so complex. The characters in that show are so complex. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how many actors in that show have much larger careers now you know you look back on them and you know they're much younger because the show's like 20 years old now uh you know how how far some of these actors have come since they were on that show and how many of them have played exactly the same role five six seven yeah. more times right. yeah <laughs> like wait yep. a second am i watching is this oh oh huh yeah same guy different different show same role different show stringer bale yeah so good yeah, dude, I I love that show. I couldn't. I can't believe you hadn't you hadn't watched it yet. Me neither. After watching it, I don't know why no one else told me to watch it in my life. I just found it on HBO, and I was like, hmm, yeah, I should watch didn't, this. Didn't, I didn't watch this when it was on. <laughs> this will fill an hour. Like the weekend later, you're like, huh, that's amazing. I feel like people are more likely to recommend Oz than they are The Wire. Which see, from- and I watched Oz. And did you enjoy it? Yeah, the Wizard Very of disturbing, or... but yeah, great show. No, Oz the 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 HBO show about uh, prison. Prison. Life. Oh, I didn't watch that. You, you know, the thing is, it was, I mean, really, really revolutionary, right? It it was maybe the first of these modern um, cable I'm pretty, epics. I'm pretty sure that that was HBO's first like prime time series. Yeah, I think that was their inaugural series and, and so in certain respects it's the 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 godfather but i don't find it to be anywhere near as nuanced or complex as the wire uh n- not even close mm. so i might try it, yeah it, it's different i think because you find a way to hate every person in oz in a different way where uh, you don't i don't at least i haven't had that with the wire yet yeah, you like there's, everybody. There's so many. Even the yeah, villains. there's so many lovable characters. Yeah, even the terrible people are. You love them. <laughs> like you are so terrible, and I love you. Keep being bad, man. Well, well, good. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, The Wire. If you haven't watched it, seriously, what are you doing with Just your life? Watch it. We're in quarantine. Yep. Go still. watch it. Go watch it. So I've got another thing. I uh I have been um, I've been drawing. Uh oh, I've been drawing. And I decided I've got like probably 15 Copic markers, Copic, Copic, alcohol markers from the company called Copic, Copic. And they're very nice. They are sort of the bee's knees gold standard for alcohol markers. Um, and if you're, if you're into coloring at all, uh, you, you probably have run into these things. They're super expensive. They're like between five fifty and seven bucks per marker. So I thought you were gonna ouch. say a hundred and I was like, why are you spending five hundred and fifty dollars on a marker? 
Yeah, you could buy a watch. Yeah. Well, but so that's the deal. To get a set of Copics, it's about 350 bucks. To get like a usable set of Copics, it's 350 to 400 bucks. So I found uh, this company that is making markers out of China. They're alcohol markers and they were pretty highly reviewed. And you can get a 120 set of these for 99 bucks. All the uh, 120 different colors? 120 colors. Okay, wow. That's a lot of colors. For for 99 bucks. Well, and, and with sort of marker layering, you, you really need to have a lot of colors, right? Because you have to have, for every color, you're, you're in like three or four similar yeah, like no. graduated mm-hmm. colors, right? So this you is have... like when we were in elementary school and you, the amount of street cred you had was how big your Crayola box was. That's right. If you had that Mr. Sketch, you were the peon. Don't you just push harder? Yeah. Make it darker? Well, th- there is some of that. You can layer with additional <laughs> ink because uh, they are. It's ink-based. They're ink-based. So if you add color to it. Anyway, you do want to have other colors, right? Because that's how you get gradient. And... So I, I bought these markers, and they're from a company called Oh hoo Oh hoo Oh hoo So it's O H U H U. Oh hoo And they are in many ways aesthetically similar to Copics. You can tell that there's a thing that Copic has done where it's sort of set the standard. And so some of these companies are trying to replicate these. These are Chinese markers. Uh and they're phenomenal. They're fantastic. They are in all but very few regards, and they're important regards, but in all but very few uh, places, performance is virtually indistinguishable um, for you know a quarter to a sixth of the price of a Copic. Um, and I've made some good art. I'm, I've been really excited with them. They're fun to use. They're enjoyable. So if you're into art at all and you're um, thinking, about, thinking about some markers, I cannot recommend these enough. I've, they've been so... Nice, such a pleasure to use. I, I think durability is gonna be is gonna be a, a problem long term. Uh and you can't replace the inks, right? And so you and, and you can't find them individually either. So if you mm. ruin better be it, careful with that black. That's right. Yeah. You, you know, so I think that what you would do is if you had, you know, you bought 120 of these and then you have a a a set of blues that you really like to use they're going to run out of ink and i think what you might do at that point is replace them with copics copics but you have the full library Mm. and -hmm. then you can supplement anyway that's uh that's another thing i mean that's pretty and you've been digging on it in the last 48 hours you sent me more drawings than you have photos of watches yeah, you know me. Yep. I, I get mm-hmm. into stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, because nobody cares, right? It's like anything else, right? This is the thing I'm interested in that nobody else in my life And they're cares surprisingly about. good. Like you said the first one, I was like, why are you sending me this picture of a picture? <laughs> it's not it's not photo good, but yeah, I no, mean, but I'm you're enjoying still, it. Obviously, it wasn't a picture of a photograph, but I was like, wait, what? I don't get it. Right. And then the text came through and I was like, oh, oh, look at that. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. It's it's fun. And and you guys are like, I, I started... Uh, I, I started courting you to be a podcast partner because I had this hobby in my life that nobody else cared about, right? Uh, and, and that's sort of, it's the same thing. Nobody cares about this stuff. So so Everett's actual other thing is that he'll be hosting auditions for his drawing podcast. Yes. It's going to be called My Name is Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Call back, anybody? No? Nope. No? no? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, well, that's all I got. That's all I got. Will, uh, Will, anything you want to add before before we hang it up for the day? I think I'm good. This is a fun episode. Glad catching up. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do this more often. I think next week uh, we're going to have Michael Happy on the show of Gavox, of Gavox fame. So if you're into Gavox at all uh, and you haven't heard Michael Happy talk, because he's the most appropriately named guy on earth, I think. Um and he, you know, he's just this like super dynamic, pleasant, fun, engaging dude. So I'm really excited about that. He's got a great accent. He's from Belgium. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. I've got a little man crush. Yeah, no, you should. I think Michael Happy Man Crush. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Andrew, anything else you got before we go? I don't have anything else today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Forty and Twenty the Watch Clicker Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Forty and Twenty or at Watch Clicker. Check us out on the website, watchclicker.com. That's where we've got all the reviews. You can find all the episodes of the podcast. We've got columns and uh, all sorts of fun stuff there. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday. 
for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.